0: Before we begin, I've got some big news. I have just written my first book, Happy Not Perfect, Upgrade Your Mind, Challenge Your Thoughts and Free Yourself from Anxiety. The book will teach you my easy flex method for more flexible thoughts that will help change your thinking to transform your life. You'll read about my own journey from stress, low self-esteem and negativity and how I was able to turn it around by learning how my mind worked from world leading experts like my podcast guests and understanding what would help my mind work better for me. If you've enjoyed my show, please pre-order the book in the link in the show notes. I can't wait for you to read it and start practicing
1: a flexible mindset the mind is not the brain and the body. Mind is something that is always with us. So we can't have the same rules for brain and body as we can for mind. You know, there's certain symptoms of cardiovascular issues that you and I can manifest in the same way. In other words, two patients can have the same heart symptoms and heart treatment. But when it comes to mind, if you're depressed and I'm depressed, it's not the same thing. It's simply not an it. It's not a heart disease. Depression is a symptom or a warning signal of an underlying cause. And that's where it's different.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Not Perfect Podcast. I'm your host, Poppy Jamie, the founder of award-winning mindfulness app, Happy Not Perfect. And this show is about upgrading our mind, our energy, and our understanding of how we can live life to our fullest potential. Over the next few weeks, I'm interviewing thought leaders, scientists, nutritionists, and experts to share tips and tricks for how we can shed the old and step into the new. I hope you join me on the journey. On today's show, we have a very special and interesting guest, Dr. Caroline Leaf. She has been researching the mind-brain connection and the science of thought for over 30 years. Dr. Leaf is a best selling author and neuroscientist. We're going to be discussing her brilliant new book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess Five Simple, Scientifically Proven Steps to Reduce Anxiety, Stress, and Toxic Thinking. Honestly, this is one of the most insightful books I've read on the science behind the mind and strategies for better mind management. If you like knowing the how and the why behind the mind, then Dr. Caroline is your perfect teacher. I'm really excited to dive in and learn more about her five-step protocol to clearing up our mental mess. What's your favourite quote and one you return to often
1: and why? Anyone who knows me will know I say it all the time, and it's it's just but it's profound, and it's you can you cannot control the events and circumstances of life. It's never been more evident than our current situation, but you can control your mind, how you respond to the events and circumstances of life. So that's something I say so many times, and it's just and it's what I teach. It's foundational to my life.
0: What's a life lesson you've been reminded of
1: recently, and why? The importance of really being authentic which we know is like everyone says that at the moment, but honestly being able to recognize that we can manage our minds and that we can actually look inside of ourselves and we can become decent humans by really analyzing how we are thinking and feeling and choosing and functioning. And that's for me being a very profound realization. The mind's malleable. You can, and I've been in this field for 38 years, but it's really hit me recently just with even more so how important it is that we recognize that we're not hopeless. We're not dancing to our DNA we really have a lot of power and um, ability when we understand our mind and how malleable it is. So that's really hit me lately with just a lot of things that have been happening.
0: I love that. You're not dancing to your DNA. How do you define happiness?
1: It's a sense of mental peace. So I think like a lot of us have recognized this era has been one of making happiness an extrinsic thing that we have to get and put into us. You know, there's been that sort of positive toxic psychology movement and the whole sort of um, almost distortion around the wellness era and pop psychology and so much good in that too. But it's led to this thing that it's one thing that I've got to get and put into me. Meanwhile, it's a whole organic process and it's being able to recognize, hey, if I feel depressed, that's okay. Embrace it because in that's the message. And in doing that, you'll find happiness, which sounds so crazy. So in embracing the depression, and the and the anxiety and all those emotions that are difficult to deal with and we've been told are bad i believe happiness is part of happiness is being okay with feeling those embracing them and actually finding the message behind them seeing them as symptoms of an underlying cause i believe happiness is getting into that mental space where you can Take the messes of the past and reconstruct them so that they don't influence your future. Mm-hmm. Happiness is, is, is also being so uh, that really cheesy, but Nat's being really um, happy with just the little things in life. Are oh, you able to just like look at the tiny little things in life and appreciate them? So it's a lot of those things that add up and bring a sense of mental peace. But I can't stress enough, Poppy, how it should include the humanity that we have, which you talk about so much as well, of the fact that it's not all just trying to be wonderful and to happiness is also being able to be sad. And to accept that and to see that as part of your life experience and your story.
0: Really, that, and we're going to talk about this a bit in more detail, but I especially love the point about not having to bring the past with you, being able to construct a new future. And you obviously, your book creates so many tools for that, and that being such a big part of happiness because it is so true. Dragging the past along with us is one of the biggest reasons for, for our unhappiness. Yes. So, your book it opens up with probably one of the best quotes I've read, and I'm going to read it. And I just want to ask why you started the book with it. We can go three weeks without food, three days without water, three minutes without oxygen, but we can't even go three
1: seconds without thinking. Why did you want to start the book with this? Because it's such a truth, and it's something that we we don't recognize what mind is, and and we don't recognize. We haven't been taught, we haven't been trained in what mind is. And it's it, in science, it's called the hard question. And I don't believe it's the hard question of science. 38 years ago, I started challenging and saying the mind is not the hard question of science. The mind is the most obvious question of science and the most obvious question of life. Your mind never stops. So Poppy, when we're consciously awake, it is going. When we're asleep, it's still going. Your mind never stops. Your mind is behind everything that you do. It's your, It's first cause. Our mind is working now as we interact. Our mind is working. When we woke up this morning and had our coffee and had breakfast and did whatever you did today already. And the conversations with family and work, your, what you do, what you eat, your exercise, even the effectiveness of exercise and and, and food is determined by your mind. Your digestive system is controlled by your mind. Everything. So if we don't get a handle on mind, we're going to be in a mental mess. And it's very evident that the world is a mess. And being human means it's messy. You've got it. We all got mental messes. And if we start understanding that the mental mess comes from mind, and mind is always going, then we have to study mind. We have to understand what it is, what mind management is, in order to clean up that mental mess. So if our mind never stops why don't we understand more about what that thing is that's constantly on?
0: Just to kind of dive into this idea of, you know, mental mess, you write, actually, mental health problems haven't necessarily got worse, but they've got different. And I would love to kind of go into that. Why do you think there is more mental mess than ever? And and how is it Become different in this modern
1: world we're living in. Okay. So yes, mental health has always been with us. we humans, as, as long as humans are alive and living and interacting, there's going to be mental health problems. And mental health problems aren't some scary disease. Mental health problems are just the fact that we go through life and we react and we don't always react like we should. We we should be more responsive at responding as opposed to reacting. So and, and also every generation has got certain issues that they're facing, which are very challenging. So from the beginning of time, Mankind has been battling with their mind. It's not something new. Mental health is not on the rise. It's just different. And how is it different? It's because we're living with different problems and we have different reactions. But the basic core thing is that if you're human, you will have good and bad experiences. Every experience and response becomes part of who you are, becomes part of your mind, becomes part of your brain, and becomes part of your body. So every experience is built into three places through your mind which is very profound. And that's something that we're also not taught. And when we understand that, it makes so much sense, all the other stuff. So my core tenet in in that particular statement is that, We have a philosophy over the last 38 years that mental health isn't it, like cancer or diabetes. We've had that message of, and it's come from what we call the biomedical model. It began around about 38, 40, actually almost 50 years ago, where instead of seeing the whole person's narrative and the whole person's context and what you're going through and the experiences and how you're processing in your unique way. And if it was adverse, obviously you have an adverse reaction and you're trying to cope and all that stuff, that was all put aside. And what was focused on was the research on the brain, and everything became very neuro reductionistic. So everything became focused around the biology, our understanding of the brain and the body has increased so much, and it's profound. And it's wonderful. But the the mind is not The brain and the body, mind is something that is always with us. So we can't have the same rules for brain and body as we can for mind. You know, there's certain symptoms of cardiovascular issues that you and I can manifest in the same way. In other words, two patients can have the same heart symptoms and heart treatment, but when it comes to mind, if you're depressed and I'm depressed, it's not the same thing. It's simply not an it. It's not a heart disease. Depression is a symptom or a warning signal of an underlying cause. And that's where it's different. But if we take the narrative away and we take the whole mind thing away and we just say, okay, you've got symptoms of depression and five little questions or 10 little questions, tick, tick, tick. Okay, you are clinically depressed. So within a few seconds, you get a diagnosis like heart disease. That means you've been given a disease label to validate a massive experience, but you haven't validated it, you've invalidated the whole thing by giving it a disease label. And so we see now that one of the greatest negative impacts of removing the importance of focusing on you and your story and what you're going through and your context versus just the biological reaction in your brain and body, which will happen. But that's not the cause of your depression. The cause of your depression or anxiety or schizophrenia or whatever it is that you've anger, frustration, on age burnout is something that you're going through. its a whole story. So we're not sitting with an increase in mental health problems. We're we're sitting with an increase in the side effects of mismanagement of mental health. And we can rectify that.
0: One of the points which really, really stood out to me, because, you know, if I'm on social media, I'll see a lot of people say, I'm on medication because I have an imbalance of serotonin. And in your book, you quite explicitly say, This isn't quite accurate in the way that people are diagnosing and saying they need medication for that. What are your thoughts around that?
1: Yes, it's been the message of. of it started in the fifties when they discovered some of the, the anti, one of the first antipsychotics called Pramazine and then fast forward to the nineties when we um, when we had, had Prozac, and that just launched a whole industry of finding medications that altered brain function. So they are psycho, psychotropic Medications are psychoactive, which means that they're not fixing something in the brain. This is the difference. They are changing the brain, but they're not fixing something in the brain. But the chemical imbalance myth. And honestly, that's not even, it really is a myth. It's not scientific. And even some of the top psychiatrists in the world will deny ever saying that that's the case. So the scientists and even the ones that were advocates of it will now deny that they ever said it was truth because there's so much scientific evidence to the contrary. And what those drugs do, they psychoactive, which means that they do change the brain. Whatever you put into the brain changes it. Right now, just our speakings change the brain. You, you, Your brain never stays the same. Your brain is neuroplastic. So and how, how does it change? because of your mind your mind is how you're responding your mind is your thinking feeling and choosing so right now maybe it's a good time to just define mind is how you think feel and choose so it's Mm -hmm. think feel choose to cover three fingers up you when you think you feel when you think and feel you choose those are never separated when you think you'll feel when you think and feel you will choose that's mind okay so that mind is a quantum gravitational field and it basically moves through your brain your body so right now as you are listening to me i'm speaking and sending out words and visual images. And that's coming at you as electromagnetic light waves and auditory sound waves. And your mind grabs that. You you think, feel, choose. That then generates energy through your brain. And your brain then responds. So, and how does it respond? By changing. So the whole chemical imbalance thing doesn't work because your brain is constantly changing and responding, and you are building in networks into your brain to help you cope in that situation. And if it's an adverse circumstance, you build in whatever you can to survive. But it's obvious it's very often not the the best way of responding. And then we that so gets linked with shame and guilt and all these things that that can go on and affect how we function. But it's got very real mental real estate. So therefore, when we talk about chemical imbalance. We're taking away all the humanity. Saying it's a chemical imbalance is removing that humanity. Psychoactive drugs will change the brain because they numb the brain and the brain physically adapts and not in a good way. So people have experienced it and there's a lot of work All over the world, showing that when people come off an antidepressant, for example, or off an antipsychotic, that they are experiencing terrible withdrawal symptoms. Which is not the disease coming back; it is the effects of the brain being changed by the drug and the brain trying to heal itself.
0: You know, for those that are really depressed that need antidepressants, actually, you have just completed clinical trials on another method that actually reduced depression by. 80% or 82%? 81%, yeah. 81%, which is absolutely phenomenal. And there are zero side effects, zero chemicals involved. I would love for you to tell us about the five-step method that you've had such enormous life-changing success with.
1: So what basically I've done for 38 years is try to come against what we've just everything we've been talking. And I started out in South Africa working with people with traumatic brain injuries. So their brains were very damaged. And in the 80s, we were told the brain couldn't change. And so I just said, I don't believe that. <laughs> so can you believe it? Back in the 80s, they didn't believe the brain could change. It was only in the mid 90s that it was actually accepted that your brain is neuroplastic. And now we hear about neuroplasticity all the time and brain changing and all that stuff all the time. And we know with exercise, it changes and with where you think it changes and positive thinking and all this kind of thing. But in the 80s, that wasn't the case. So I worked with people with tremendously severe brain damage that had been written off by the medical fraternity. And I basically, through just pure mind management, teaching them how to use their mind, to change their mind, to change their brain. Fast forward, I did a bunch of research over that period up into the 2000s, where I was looking at um, mind brain techniques for helping to change brain and improve learning function, cognitive, emotional, social, et cetera, et cetera. And I showed a 35 to 75% improvement in how a person is managing mentally and academically. So not only were people getting um, managing their trauma and the depression and stuff associated with just battling with life. But there was also massive improvement in their intellectual function. So with all that having said, I took what I have done since the 80s, refined over the years, the system, the five-step system of the neurocycle is based on 38 years of research. It's not just like this. It is simple, but each step is done sequentially because each step is taking you deeper and deeper into helping you to use your mind to change your brain. So if you just do one of the steps half-heartedly, you won't get the benefits. You'll recognize each of the steps, as I'm sure you did when you read through them. But the power is in how they combined, the order in which you do them, how you do them, the time you spend doing them, and how often you do do them in a very self-regulated way. And when you do that, what I showed was that my subjects in my study, they got to the point where they could control anxiety and depression and burnout and toxic stress and anger and and, and hovering and all these things you can manage those up to 81%, which is profound because if you can just get 10% control over your life, you'll feel like a million dollars. So you can imagine 81%. So at the end of our study, our subjects had um, in the experimental group, they had got to the point where they could turn around and say, okay, I still feel depressed actually, and I'm still feeling really anxious, but I know why and I know how to manage it. By the time they'd moved through the entire nine weeks of the study and then at the six month point, they actually were, felt that they had this under control and they felt peace and and a sense of internal peace. So um, let's dive into the five
0: steps because I wanted to also make a point of how brilliant I thought the word neurocycling is to describe your process. Because just like you know, the recycle process in plastic, it is constantly looped, you know, plastic never dies, so it constantly just recycles, turns into something better, recycles, turns into something better, et cetera. I just thought it was brilliant, this idea. And it reminds us that this is a constant process, and something that we can repeat for the rest of our lives, basically.
1: Yes. So neurocycle. neuro means brain cycle, means to, to cycle, to move through. And what you do is you're constantly move, you're moving through five steps. Gather awareness, reflect, write, recheck, and active reach gather awareness, gather. The word gather is like if you think of gathering apples into a basket or it's it's an embracing kind of concept. It's a very friendly. It's a very all-encompassing. It's a very, hey, come let me gather you into my arms. So it's a very much don't fear what's going on in your life. Gather awareness of it in order to get control over it. What humans hate, we hate uncertainty. We're frightened of change and we are so scared of the unknown. So I'm saying To get over that, gather awareness. Gather awareness of the fact that you feel uncertain, that you don't like change, and that that all is frightening. And gather awareness of every emotion you have, feel them, embrace them. Because now, here's the key of embrace, of gathering awareness. I embrace those, I gather awareness to find out why and what can I do about it. So why and what can I do about it? So immediately I'm making myself progress forward. I'm thinking, feeling and choosing about why I'm thinking, feeling and choosing to feel depressed at that moment through looking at the warning signals in my emotions and in my body. Can you give us an example of the why? Because a lot of people say, oh, I feel so anxious. I don't know why. Yes, that's and then they don't go further; they just give up and get into a cycle. And I'm not criticizing anyone. This is not if you're feeling guilt or shame or condemnation, even if from the drug question earlier on, don't feel bad about guilt or shame. Grab that guilt or shame and make it work for you in the way that I'm Mm. describing. So, when people say, "I don't know why I feel depressed," this is what you do. You when when the depression hits us, we're so overwhelmed with the emotion that we get a lot of neurochemical chaos in our brain, and that neurochemical chaos fogs our brain's ability to actually think clearly. It's like if you're driving through a storm and you have no windscreen wipers. So if I if I have the depression feeling and I don't embrace them, I'm driving through that storm with no windscreen wipers. Putting the windscreen wipers on, what I'm doing is I'm saying, okay, I accept the depression. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Give yourself permission you're putting on the windscreen wipers, you're seeing a little bit. Then you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to stand back and I'm going to observe myself in this depression. So I'm going to do what I call multiple perspective advantage. Split yourself in two. See yourself as the strong person that has Caroline who's all together. In, you know, and you have the moments in our life where Poppy, Caroline, whoever's listening, where we've been together, where we've held it together, where we've given someone else advice. When someone's come to you and you this calm, amazing person and you're giving this incredible advice, go into that person when you're feeling this depression okay imagining so, yourself speaking to yourself that's it exactly that thank you you said it nice and simplistically that imagination and that visualization see it happening is actually building into your brain so you are building that into your brain and as you build that into your brain you are now creating brain resilience you are rebuilding the you're rebuilding balance back into your brain you, the windscreen wipe is now going like this and you're still depressed but now you're in a state to go to step two Mm -hmm. And step two is now is reflect and reflect is a massively profound, transformational and integrative word. It's not just a little word. It's a massive embodiment of ask, answer, discuss. So the person on the bed who's sitting on the bed, the other you, the visualization of other you says to the one in the bed who's depressed, okay, let's get curious together. Let's not get furious. Let's get curious. Let's do a mental autopsy. Let's put these thoughts on trial. So let's start by saying, let's describe in detail why you feel depressed. Give me more words. Give me more emotional words. Give me more feeling words. Let's start getting unpacking that. Then, now let's start asking why. Why do I feel like that? And let's answer ourselves and let's discuss it. I feel depressed because I just feel like I've got. Too much to do, or I don't like what I'm doing, and I just wish I could have a break. Or, and so you why ask, answer, discuss, ask, answer, discuss, and that's what reflect is. And it's deep going, deep and deep and deep. It's digging into your brains, drawing things out of your brain and out of the non conscious mind, which is the most intelligent and biggest part of us. And right in the middle of the non conscious mind is this huge wisdom that every human has. We wired for love, we wired for survival, we wired for optimism, we wired for wisdom. This has been proven scientifically by Nobel Prize laureates in the middle of who you are, the midst of poppies, thinking, feeling, choosing is this world of wisdom, this huge forest of wisdom. On the outside are all our experiences that aren't always wise. And what we what we do with this five-step neurocycle is we start getting through the foggy parts on the outside and we start diving into the wisdom. So the person sitting on the bed is asking the questions and helping that person to answer. And so you go through Ask, Answer, Discuss. And then the third part is write. We all know we must write. And can I just
0: say on, the, on that last step, it's hard work reflect is not easy and that's sometimes that can feel uncomfortable keep going into different layers
1: of like why and being a bit honest with yourself. It's very, very hard. And I'm glad you mentioned that. And that's why we do it on two levels. And the one level is you do it um, just quickly for a few moments, not for too long, just to get yourself out of bed and going. And then what you do is you then allocate, if this is a pattern in your life, if this is happening quite a lot lately, this pattern of this depression and overwhelm and burnout and you know, these big words that we use, anxiety, people ask me questions. They always give the big questions. Oh, I'm anxious. How do I deal with anxiety? How do I deal with burnout? How to deal with depression. Those are just the warning signals. You're going to have to do the work of how to manage the moment so you can get through the day. But then you're going to have to do the work over 63 days because it takes 63 days to actually find out why I'm consistently feeling depression or anxiety to find the root. The root of where it started, and that doesn't happen overnight. That happens. It takes the research I've sh- done shows it takes cycles of sixty-three days. So we don't habits do not form in twenty-one days. New behavior changes do not form in twenty-one days. It takes sixty-three, and I explain this very clearly in the book. So in that moment of depression on the bed, it, to get you out of the bed, you can do this five steps in five minutes just to get you going. You're not going to solve the problem, but you'll get to a point where you can get out of bed. But then from sometime today, start doing a 63-day neurocycle. And that is then to do the five steps, very organized. You sit down with a little journal. I call it a neurocycle journal. It can be any kind of thing to write in. And you decide, okay, I'm going to allocate 15 to 45 minutes maximum to do that hard work of finding out why I'm constantly feeling depressed and what am I going to do about it? So I'm going to embrace process and reconceptualize daily for minimum of 15, maximum of 45 minutes, not longer because it's too emotionally draining and you don't want to get stuck in it. And what's an example
0: of getting your notepad? You would start writing... Today I'm feeling depressed because, and the little, um, the reflection you've done, you'd now put it down on paper. You'd actually really go through it and allow your brain just to write, kind of free writing almost.
1: Exactly. That's exactly what you do. You You want to let your brain, you want to pull your brain on paper. And that's that third step that you can do in the daily over 63 days. And in that five minute moments, so just grab it. That's what I say, always have a journal handy or do it in your phone. It doesn't matter if you type it in your phone. I often, I have a, um, I have a whole system in my phone that I also do so if I'm, I can do it quickly on my phone whatever. So that third step of writing, you don't want to get it all fancy. You just put it on paper. So I've developed a technique called the Metacog, which I also talk about in the book, and I explain. But the Metacog is a system that I've developed over 38 years as well, which is like writing like a plant, where you put a circle in the middle, and then you just do branches around that. And you just, all the branches link. This is the key to getting into the depths of your brain, is all the branches link, and you write the words on the branches. And even if it's just this huge mess, that is okay. The right step is get your brain on paper. And the fourth step is then, okay, let me see if I can make sense of what I've just written. And it's going, each step is now going deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's a sorting step where you're looking for patterns and triggers and activators and repro, it's a reprocessing step. So what should I do about this? I can't solve all this today, but what can I do today just to get through? And then you conclude with step five, which is the active reach. And the active reach is an action, active action that you reach into a space of mental peace. So it's active and it's reaching into a space of mental peace. And what's an example of an active reach? So let's say that the depression is that you take the depression example and you go through and you say, okay, I'm depressed because I'm feeling really overwhelmed and it's just been too much going on. There's too many demands on me. I'm trying to, everyone's trying, wants everything from me and whatever. And you find from the reflect and the right step that that's, it's still not all the answer, but it's only five, you've done this in five minutes. So you're not going to get everything. In my recheck, I start seeing, okay, so it's definitely related to, I'm trying to meet everyone's needs. So then the active reach would be, you don't have to meet everyone's needs. So you type that into your phone if you're using the app or you write it down in your NeuroCycle journal and you put it somewhere. I, I would, If you're not using the app, I would recommend you put it into reminders on your phone or write it where you can carry it with you all day. And during the course of today, you bring up that little statement and you just reread it at least seven times, which takes you seven seconds. And then you try and practice that. So every time you're feeling this overwhelm, this morning you just worked out that one of the reasons for the overwhelm is because you're trying to fix everything for you're trying to be everything to everyone or whatever it may be and that's then you remind yourself i don't have to be everything to everyone so it's a statement and then also hang it onto a visual hook like something beautiful i love white roses so i tend to hook i'll hook that statement that i'm working on you don't have to be everything to everyone and then i immediately visualize a white rose and that does all kinds of things in your brain and it gives you a hook so it becomes an anchor and then each day that can change and can progress but Then if I'm finding it's a pattern, what I will do is then go back and do those five steps over the 15 to 45 minutes every day for 21 days. After 21 days, you then go into a 42-day period to take you to day 63, where you basically do active reaches for each day for seven seconds to seven minutes a day. So the thing is that in the brain, Unless you, what you, what we're doing with the five steps of the neurocycle is you are pulling up the toxic thought through looking at the warning signals, the emotions, the behavior, I mean, the emotions and the, and the body reaction, the behaviors, the behaviors are all these memories, the emotions that you get more detail on. So you go from warning signals to behaviors and the information in the branches to the perspective, to the roots in the over 21 days, you're doing this. Every day I see a few more branches, a bit more of the perspective, a bit more of the roots. By day 21, you have deconstructed and reconstructed. You've reconceptualized this into, okay, I am feeling depressed because this is what's happened in my life and this is how I've been reacting, but this is how I'm going to react. So you take, energy is never lost. This is toxic energy. In the five steps daily over 21 days, you deconstruct and reconstruct. You embrace process and reconceptualize and you build a healthy new thought. You transfer the energy from the toxic that's holding you back into the healthy that moves you forward. When you do that, you change your cortisol levels, you change your DHA, EA levels, levels, which you control your hypothalamic, your HPA axis, the stress axis. You change the brain. We see it in QEEGs. I've got all this in my book. You change your DNA, you change your cellular health, your did right down to the level of telomeres, which is involved in um, is, is the physical part of our DNA that responds to our emotions. The more we manage our mind, the healthier our telomeres in our DNA, the healthier our body. So, so the healthier our mind, the healthier our body. And you can do that in as little as nine weeks. So when we talked in the beginning about improving how you function by 81%, I'm talking about when you do these five steps in the moment, like I described, and daily to get to the root cause you then, and after 63 days, you find another one that you work on 63 days, you find another one, you are then changing your blood, your brain, your DNA, Everything in a very positive and constructive way. And then the other thing that is profound for mental health that is very unspoken about, and we haven't even touched on it much at all, and that is brain building, which is the first part of the book, where you use the five steps to learn new information, which is absolutely critical for brain resilience. If you want to, when you go to the gym, you're building health into your brain, you're building all this great strength into your brain. When you brain build, which is when you take any information, like you could take my book, use the five steps to learn the information in my book that would be brain building. So you could take maybe half an hour each day and study that content and to the five steps exactly and I explain exactly how to do that and then you're building knowledge into your brain as you build more and more knowledge into your brain you see that you you create more resilience so for example my patients that came to me I didn't dive straight into the trauma or the toxic habits or the things we've been talking about now that come to me with whatever and I'd say okay first let me teach you how to brain build so you brain build first and then you go into a toxic trauma so for example this morning when I woke up before I did the little why am I so anxious and can't sleep I did a little bit of brain building so I took a research Article and spent about fifteen minutes doing a bit of brain building, calm myself down, got myself into a brain resilient state, did a little bit of breathing. Then I worked out why am I so anxious, and then I could go back to sleep. And so it was a very constructive progress moving forward. But it's taken time to do that. But I did conquer that in in about forty five minutes. In the past, I would have been up the rest of the night worrying and woken up and had an awful day. I haven't. That's not going to happen because I've mind managed.
0: I just think it's so brilliant and the brain building again is such a step which I think me included we miss out. We'll immediately try to problem solve and then we get terrified because we can't problem solve instantly and what your method does is give that precursor like the brain building of learning before you then try and tackle your thoughts. Exactly, and It's so backed by science which also gives us such confidence that doing these steps really does work and you just
1: got to stick with them like with anything and it's so simple when you get into this I cannot encourage people enough it will change your life you should be neurocycling all the time it doesn't replace therapy it doesn't replace other techniques it simply makes them work better it helps you get your mind back it really does it helps you get your mind back which a lot of us feel we've lost in this day and age And
0: I just thought, you know, one of the brilliant quotes you also include in your book, which I think summarizes so much of what you've said today, uh, you write a Marie Curie quote, and it says, "'Nothing in life is to be feared. It is only to be understood. Now is the time to understand more so that we may fear less.'" And I just want to say thank you so much for helping us fear less by helping us to understand uh, during this interview. Where is the best place to find you in your app would be brilliant because I know we'd all be
1: interested in diving in further. Absolutely. Well, the book's available wherever books are sold. You can go to cleaningupyourmentalmess.com and then it takes you to all the links. My Instagram handles Dr. Caroline Leaf and everything's on there. So if you go to Instagram, you can get to the webpage drleaf.com and and the um, the, the um, podcasts and everything. And then the app is um, on the app store itunes google play and it's called it's it's was called it used to be called switch but we've changed the name to Neurocycle. the app and the book together work as a as a companion because a team because the one is me walking you through it and then you've got all the science and you've got the written version in the book we can send you all those links as well perfect and i'll put them all in the show notes for anyone who's listening
0: uh thank you so much dr leaf this has been brilliant thank you so much so
1: lovely to have met you and thank you for a great discussion
0: Thank you for listening. It would be a huge support if you wouldn't mind rating, subscribing and sharing this podcast. I also would love to hear from you. So please find me at Poppy Jamie on Instagram, DM me and I would love to hear your thoughts on any of the topics that we discuss download happy not perfect my app that's designed to boost your mood and help you sleep and give you mindfulness in less than five minutes it's packed full of science-backed tools and rituals to give your mind the care it needs sending lots of love and energy see you next time